Hi, friend. You are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, a podcast created especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. My name is Janelle Wood, and while I have a background in counseling and ministry with women, the truth is I've been through my own seasons of questioning my faith. So if you've ever struggled with not being sure where you belong, or you felt like you were faking faith, or maybe a friend just shared this episode with you and you are feeling a little wounded or skeptical of all things God-related right now, welcome. This podcast is just for you. Finding Something Real is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. My passion is Jesus Christ, and for me now, After having been through some real ups and downs on my own faith journey, I believe Christ is the hope and the answer to this world more than ever. But don't take my word for it. Listen to my friends as they share their own grace-filled journeys with you. My prayer is that if you haven't already, you'll find something real too. Well, welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And you are listening to the second part of a two-part episode that my special guest and March co-host Mariah and I recorded with Micah Wilder. If you have not listened to that first episode with Micah, I highly recommend that you start over there. Um, You can find links to that episode in the show notes at findingsomethingreal.com. Micah is here talking with my special guest, as I mentioned, Mariah. Mariah is a college student who recently was baptized into the Mormon church. And Mariah has some great questions about why um, mainstream Christianity is different than LDS beliefs. Um, Micah has an incredible testimony. Like I said, you want to go back to that original episode and hear what he had to share about his own personal life. Um, But he is here really focusing and honing in on the gospel and the sufficiency of Jesus Christ. And it's just a very powerful conversation. Um, And we'll jump in here um, in just a second. But before we launch into that conversation, um, I just wanted to share with you about an opportunity I don't always share about this, but um, if you are really enjoying this podcast, if you are enjoying today's episode and you want to know how did Mariah feel about these conversations um, where some things were challenged in her life, um, what was going through her mind during these episodes um, that we recorded with Lindsay Medenwalt and Micah Wilder, and even the episode that I recorded just with her alone, and the one I recorded separately with Alex Earls this month, um, we have a discussion about that. We're going to have a discussion about that um, over on Patreon. You can find out more about that at findingsomethingreal.com. Just click at uh, I'm sorry, click on support at the top of the page, and you can find out how to become a patron of the Finding Something Real podcast and support what we're doing here, as well as get bonus content like a bonus episode, which is very raw. And um, it's just a really honest conversation between myself and if she'll join me, my co-host, and we just talk about what was discussed here on the podcast during the month. If you are interested in that, please check that out. Um, But yeah, I'm so excited for what Micah is about to share here. We're going to launch into this conversation and share a little bit of where we left off um, last week um, in case uh, you missed part of that conversation. So 
Here we go. And once I had the gospel, I realized that Jesus was everything that I needed. And that if I had him, then I was fully satisfied in him. And, and I love the verse. Uh, it's in John uh, 6, after Jesus feeds the 5,000. And then he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. And, and I realized that like my whole life, I had been hungry and I had been thirsty and I was trying to satisfy that through my good works, right? Through being a good Mormon. And I realized that Jesus could satisfy that, that, that he alone is enough. And that if I trusted in him, then, then he would satisfy my every need and that I, I wouldn't need anything outside of him. And, and I could hold on to him and trust that, that if I was in him, then I had forgiveness of sins and eternal life. And, and that was something that I, I felt like I could never truly have in, in a religious institution. And so it's not about, you know, bashing Mormonism or this, that, or the other. It's that no, no organization is the way to salvation. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and the only way to the Father. And so I realized that I don't need anything but Christ. And, and that obviously put me in a a very difficult predicament as a very devout Latter-day Saint missionary who had, you know, garnered the respect of my peers and the admiration of, of my parents and my, my religious leaders for being the most zealous Mormon. And I realized that I don't need a testimony in Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon and the Mormon Church and the modern-day prophets. I, I only need a testimony in Christ and in Him alone. Yeah. Any other thoughts on that, Mariah? <laughs> um, I had thoughts. They're all going away now. Um, <laughs> I feel like something that I really thought about during that was kind of um, the explanation of like, specifically a lot of ordinances and stuff kind of stem from the Book of Mormon. And so as you were talking about um, the New Testament and the coming of Jesus, when you look at um, even like the timeline of when the Book of Mormon um would have been written or like happen is still before the new testament which is interesting that you pointed out you know that's kind of old mm -hmm. um, to look at even the structures and like um when like for example i was literally reading something yesterday and it was about like how sacrament was done which is again supposed to be written before the new testament and we still do it that way which is interesting of just like certain things that um, kind of came before that and that the structure is still so heavily on that. Yeah. It, and, and that's, that's something that's very unique in Mormonism is that it's kind of this strange mixture of the new covenant gospel of the grace of God and the old covenant laws and ordinances. Mm -hmm. um, but that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing to be unique. Um, because as Jesus said, you can't pour new wine into old wineskins lest they burst. And so he understood that his earthly ministry was this transition, that the old law that God you know, had established in the Old Testament and that the Jews had lived for thousands of years, that he was the end of that, like he was the transition, that he was fulfilling the law through his work, and then he would establish a new and a better way a new covenant. And that covenant was forgiveness through his blood, right? That's the, the, the communion, the last supper that he instituted the, the, the bread to remember his body that would be broken. And then the blood to the, the wine to remember his blood that would be shed for the forgiveness of sins. And so that's what we have in him. 
And so Mormonism, it takes that and it convolutes it because we don't need the prophets and the priesthood and the temples and the high priests and the ordinances anymore because Jesus fulfilled all of those things. And so we now turn and we face Christ and we trust in him alone. And, um, and that's such an important thing to understand because then you realize, well, why am I doing all these things and what purpose does it serve? And it, it actually doesn't serve any purpose other than it, it puts us, it enslaves us to, to bondage of man. And it puts us under man's gospel instead of being under the true and saving gospel of Jesus. And, and that was something that the apostles dealt with. I mean, right from the beginning, when Paul was writing the Galatians, he was writing them because people had come in, these people called the Judaizers, and they had perverted the gospel that Paul had given them. And what they were doing was they were trying to tell these Galatian Christians that, yes, it's great that you believe in Jesus, but... Now you need to turn and you need to trust in the old law and you need to be circumcised and you need to do all of these things. And Paul's entire message to the Galatians is wrong. Okay. Jesus is all sufficient that we are not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus alone. And in, in, in chapter one, he even gives a very stern warning. He's like, look, if anyone comes to you preaching another gospel, even if an angel from heaven comes to you preaching a gospel different than the one that I have preached to you, let him be accursed. And so what he was saying was, look, there's only one gospel, and there's going to be a lot of people that are going to come, and they're going to try to distort this very simple message of God's grace revealed in Christ, but don't trust them. Don't listen to them. Hold on to that one gospel that was proclaimed once and for all to the saints. And, and the awakening that took place in me as I was reading the New Testament time and again was that this gospel that I knew and about in Mormonism, it was a different gospel that was revealed in the New Testament that I had come to see was so simple and so beautiful. And I'll be honest, it terrified me because I, I, I mean, I didn't know what to do with that truth because Mormonism was my life, right? I mean, it, it was my very human identity. I, I did not have an identity outside of my religious self. And so, you know, I had a scholarship to BYU, like I, 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 my, like everything in my life, my friends and my family, my BYU professor mom, and my dad was a high priest and I had been a full-time worker in the temple previous to my mission. And all of those things, I recognized that I didn't need those things anymore, but facing that was the scariest thing that I could possibly imagine because I knew that I couldn't go back to the only life that I had ever known and loved. And that was my greatest test of faith was I, I came to this understanding of the gospel of Christ as a Mormon missionary. So I had three weeks left of this two-year commitment, and it was like I was born again, meaning that I, I recognized that Christ alone could save me, and I put all of my faith and trust and hope in him alone. And so then I was like, well, how do I tell people? Like, how do I come forward to my family and my friends about this change because I knew that there were going to be um, lasting repercussions. I mean, I knew that I couldn't just, you know, uh, explain this away that it would affect the trajectory of my life. Like I would no longer go to BYU. I could, I, I mean, I, I just knew that my life as I knew it was never going to be the same, but that's, that's what's so amazing about Jesus. Mariah is that what I found in him was infinitely greater than anything that I would ever lose. And so that's 
what the gospel offers us is this hope that you, you can't find anywhere else. You can't find in the world. You can't find in any relationship. You can't find in any amount of accolades or, or wealth that the world can offer. You can't find it in any church or any religion. Um, it's found only in knowing Jesus Christ and having the assurance of our forgiveness of sins in him. And that's what I discovered. And so one of the themes of our ministry is Jesus is enough. And uh, those three words is like, that's the summation of the gospel is that, that to have Christ is to have everything. And so I recognize that even if I lost all of the things in the world that I had Jesus. And so that loss was irrelevant. Like those things didn't mean anything to me if I had found this, this hope in Christ that had completely transformed my life. And so, um, Basically, I ended up uh, sharing my testimony publicly in front of my missionary peers, um, which was a tradition that you're asked to do before you go home from your two-year mission. And so when I shared my testimony publicly uh, for the first time, it was a completely newfound faith. It was no longer a testimony in the principal pillars of this religion. It was a testimony in Christ alone. And so I, I actually remember standing up there and, and I was like shaking because I was so afraid of what I was going to say. And I, I just said the one thing that I had learned throughout the course of my two-year mission was that Jesus was all that I needed and that he alone had saved me by his grace and that it wasn't by my works or my righteousness or my goodness. And I now knew for the first time in my life that I had eternal life in the presence of God. Like I, I, I didn't have to wonder anymore. Am I going to the celestial kingdom? Have I done enough? Does God approve of me? I knew that because of my faith in Christ, my salvation was, was ensured through his blood. And so um, naturally there were uh, repercussions that came from that testimony because my Mormon mission president, my leader at the time, uh, two days later gave me a phone call and he said, we need to talk. <laughs> Um, and so we had a back and forth and ultimately was determined that I was no longer worthy to continue on in my mission. And, and I want to be clear here to you, you know, that it, it's not like I was, I wasn't rebellious. You know, I wasn't going off and living for sin. I was not breaking the commandments. Um, all I had done was simply professed faith in Christ alone. But because that was separate from the testimony of Mormonism, then that wasn't enough for them. And so my mission was then terminated three weeks early and I had to go back to Utah. I had to face my mom and my dad and my girlfriend and my, my siblings and my life back there. Um, but I had that hope in me. And, and I love what Paul says in Philippians three, that he's like, everything that I once counted as gain in my life, I now consider those things as loss compared to the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus. And so if we have Christ, then all of those things in the world that we lose because of him and because of the gospel, we, we literally count them as loss. Like Paul even says, I count them as rubbish, like as garbage compared to what I know in Christ. And so um, when I got home, I, I was not like some expert theologian or anything. It was just, I was just a Mormon missionary who'd read the new Testament 12 times and God had changed my life. And so when I, encounter my family, I, I told them, look, read the Bible like a child. I, I told them the same thing that pastor had told me because I knew that there was something powerful in the word of God that I had never before experienced, you know, until I was a Mormon missionary. And, and I trusted that the power of God's word could impact their lives the same. 
And so I gave them that challenge and shared the gospel with them. And, and they began to read the Bible uh, one by one, my younger sister, my older brother, my parents. And uh, to this day, actually, all of them have left the Mormon church as well um, and come to saving faith in Christ. And one of the things about you know our stories is that it's not like we left Mormonism because we couldn't, you know, live the commandments. It's not like we were, you know, wanted to indulge in sin. It's not like we doubted it. It's because we found something greater, something supreme, and that 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 is Christ. And um, and so we've spent, you know, last 15, 16 years of our life wanting to tell other people. And and unfortunately, you know, because of the nature of our testimonies, a lot of, you know, well-meaning Latter-day Saints are just making the accusation that, you know, that, that, that we hate Mormons or that we're trying to destroy the church or this other stuff. But our, our heart is that we found something greater in Christ and we want Mormons and Catholics and Jehovah's Witnesses and anybody in the world to know the sufficiency found in Christ alone, that it's not about uh, a particular structure uh, of of religion. It's not about um, laws and ordinances and commandments. It's about faith in Christ and in him alone. And, and, and that when you come to know that, then it changes your life. It radically changes your life. And, uh, and it's brought me newness of life in Christ. And so we have uh, lovingly been proclaiming that, that gospel to the Latter-day Saint people and, and to anybody and everybody who uh, needs the gospel. One thing, uh, real quick, Mariah, I know that you have a class or something that you have to go to. I, I can. Are you okay? Yeah. Okay. I'm fine. It um, just depends like how much of my morning routine I want to do, but okay. I don't need to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, correct me if I'm wrong here, but one of the things that I think has drawn you into um, LDS, is that the correct terminology? Now it's not Mormonism. Yeah, okay. Um, but one of the things that's drawn you in and, and actually something that I think the Mormon church has done extremely well is a sense of community and um, family. And for you, I know when we spoke last uh, summer, you felt like you were on the outside kind of looking in. And now you've been pulled into a commu community of people who care about you, who are sharing their faith with you, who are giving you a spiritual home. So, Micah, how do you address something like that? Because I think that's something that the evangelical church uh, could ex like learn a lot from watching uh, Mormons is how they the zealousness of their faith. And that was something that I read in your book, too, about the pastors that encountered you were like, there's something special about you, kid, you know, but um, it, it's something that I see. I, I mean, I've I've had enough Mormons in my life to see that actually it's something that's trained and and um, fostered in um, this environment of growing up Mormon is let's include people, let's tell them about our faith, let's talk about what we believe and how to talk about it with people that are outside our faith. So would you oh. speak to that a little bit? Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right, Janelle. And Mariah, I'm assuming you're college age, probably, correct? Yeah. Yeah. It's very common, very common for people your age to join the Mormon church. And it's for that exact reason. And honestly, we see it all the time. Um, I, I have great admiration for the LDS community um, for that reason, for the unity that they have in their faith, um, for the love that they display to one another. Um, and I think that is something that is often sorely lacking in the Christian body. And, and, I, and I, I hate to say that, but there, 
there's a reason why a lot of college age kids leave the Christian church and go to, um, you know, the, the Latter-day Saint faith. And it's, it's because they feel a greater sense of belonging and community. And so a lot of times, and maybe this was the case for you, Mariah, that it wasn't necessarily about the doctrine as much as it was about feeling like you had a family and like you had a community of people who genuinely loved you, were invested into you and, you know, were willing to, to go to battle with you no matter what. Um, I, I understand that. And because I had that in, in the LDS church and, and I felt that and I lived it and there was a great sense of community and, and, and speaking candidly, um, leaving that was one of the hardest things about leaving Mormonism was leaving that community um, that, that I had come to, to love and to know with all my heart. But eventually, you know, truth has to trump culture. You know, truth has to trump relationships. When I came to Christ, I mean, I lost, in a sense, everything. I, I lost my career path. I lost my scholarship. I lost relationships for a time with my immediate family. Um, many of my best friends from high school and college and my mission to this day, 16 years later, I, I have no relationship with. Um, I, I, I've been slandered. I have been, you know, had every unkind thing said about me. Um, and and it's it's hard to to lose those things. Um, but truth trumps those things because Christ is truth. And something that the Christian body needs to do better job at is having that sense of love and community and, 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 and familial kind of sense. Uh, you know, Jesus said, for by this will all people know that you are my disciples. If you have love one to another, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. So he set the standard and that standard is love. And, and that should be the core attribute for followers of Christ. And, and Mariah, I was on the other side, like I was a missionary and, and I saw how Christians treated me as a Mormon missionary. And, and honestly, it was disgusting. Um, and I see that still, like I see Christians response to missionaries, to Jehovah's witnesses, to, to whatever is just, it's vitriol. And, and I tell you, it's just, I, I, it breaks my heart to see that. And that's why it breaks my heart when people make that accusation against me, because it's like, man, I, I don't know how I could be more kind and more loving and more gracious in my approach. But ultimately, like, I have to speak truth. You know, I'm not going to um, compromise the gospel in order to not hurt somebody's feelings. But the way in which presented, I want to do in love, um, because that's what we're called to do to gently proclaim that truth. But like Paul said to the Galatians, have I become your enemy because I tell you the truth? You know, I might be saying things to you today that conflict things that you hold dear. And, and I'm very sensitive about that. and want to understand that. But, you know, but I also have a calling to speak truth. And just as Mormons, like they have this admirable zeal, right? These missionaries go out for two years to share their faith. Like they're going door to door talking about what they believe. And it's strange to me when they accuse us of being mean by sharing our faith, because that's kind of like the whole Mormon lifestyle is to be a missionary. Well, I'm a missionary for Christ and I'm a missionary for the gospel. And so I'm going to go out and I'm going to proclaim that truth no matter what. So my encouragement to you, Mariah, is I know that you found a family and you found a community, um, but there is a family and a community to be found in Christ and to be found in the body of Christ. And I'll tell you, when I became a Christian, all of a sudden I realized like I have this unity with millions of people all over the world 
who are all firm in the, the, the grip of God's grace. And like, it was the most amazing thing. Cause I would meet people from all these places that I'd never been. And we had the commonality of Jesus. And so when I go out now as a minister and I go all over North America and I meet people I've never met, it's like, we're family immediately because we have that common faith in Jesus Christ. We have people in our ministry. We have a, a young lady that's probably around your age. She's 22. And, uh, you know, was drawn into that community and drawn into the, the LDS, you know, family. And then she realized that, you know, the doctrines were not in line with truth and she found a, a better family and a better community in Christ. And so um, my encouragement to you is, you know, don't put that cultural feeling of belonging above your relationship with Christ and above, you know, what truth is and what the gospel really is. Because when you have that relationship with Jesus, that will supersede everything else in your life. And God will then work that out to bring you into a community of believers who can love you and, and serve with you and grow with you in, in, in Jesus. It's definitely interesting. <laughs> um, especially because kind of like you said, how um, some people kind of take it as um, being mean, just kind of sharing those things. Something that I've heard, um, especially like... Um, first meeting people and like talking to missionaries, something that um, they kind of say is, you know, if you want to know the truth about something or to believe it, you have to talk to someone who believes it, mm -hmm. which um, in that sense was kind of saying, you know, if you want to know that this church is true, you have to talk to people in the church, not anybody mm -hmm. else, which is definitely an interesting um, take on it. Um, <laughs> I know I kind of talked about being on the podcast the first time, um, with people in the church and stuff um I think we were just talk about it now people would probably be like that's the worst idea ever um which I think kind of um speaks to like you said uh the community standpoint of yeah. it's a really close community but at the same time it's wanting um to not necessarily um look at things differently or right. talk to people that have that difference Right. which is where it's kind of if missionaries go into um, any type of conversation with someone and if someone if they were to talk to you they'd be like oh well he's just trying to say why my belief is wrong and yeah. that that's what he's saying yeah. nothing else so it's definitely um, an interesting uh, thing to talk about I think and right. I think also where even um, my friends kind of I, I can't really say like, oh, I'm different, like going to the church. But um, I think that's where a lot of people are surprised um, that know me is that I'm still willing to kind of talk about things. Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of people, once they uh, convert, they don't really talk about it, um, which would kind of lead to that standoffishness of, well, I yeah. believe this and I don't want to talk about it. And that, and that's important. And I, I, I really admire you for doing that, Mariah, because I think that Latter-day Saints in general now are a lot more open than they were, you know, 20 years ago <laughs> when, when I was in high school, um, we were very much discouraged from talking to or investigating anything outside of our own faith. It was like, you know, considered evil to read anti-Mormon material or, or to look into anything. And, and see, and that's the difference. Like, I'm not here to convince you of anything. Right. And, and yeah. if you've noticed, like my approach hasn't been, I haven't talked about Joseph Smith of the church or anything like my encouragement to you is say, look, you don't have to trust me. Just go to the yeah. Bible, you know, read it for yourself. My 
my desire for you is not that you leave the Mormon church. My desire for you is that you come to a personal relationship with Christ. Like that, that is, that is the only thing that matters to me. And, and when that happens, everything else will fall into place. Like you'll, you will begin to see that there is something in Mormonism that isn't satisfying you, that is not the truth that's revealed in scripture. And then God will lead you and work with you, you know, and grow you in his grace. But right now, I wouldn't tell you to leave the Mormon church. I would tell you to go read the new Testament, like, like make, make the goal of your life to have a relationship with God, like, like fix your eyes on Christ and say, all right, God, I want to know you. I want to know your truth. Just give it to me and open up the word of God and read and read and read. And another thing that, you know, is, is a very important distinction to make for you, Mariah, and for any of the listeners when the Mormon missionaries come to your door, they're going to present, right, their belief system. And what are they going to say? They're going to say, pray about it, right? Pray about it and and see how you feel, right? So, so truth and a witness, a spiritual witness in the Mormon church is based on feelings. Mm -hmm. But that's one thing, actually, that when I was reading the Bible, I'd realized is, is a very dangerous way to test truth. Because number one, our hearts they're crazy, right? You know that one moment we're one way, another moment we're another, our emotions that we can't control them. Jeremiah says that the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. And Jesus said that out of the heart comes false witness. It's like, whoa. So that means my, my heart can actually bear me false witness that something is true. And so the problem is we can't rely on our, on our humanity. We can't rely on our heart. We can't rely on our emotions. We cannot rely on this fleshly tabernacle that is humanity to teach us truth. Well, that's what's so amazing about the word of God is that we can go to the word. We can go to scripture and we can test truth, right? So if, if, if this person says, I'm a prophet and here's you know truth, I can go to the Bible and say, what does the Bible say about that? And I can go, wait a minute. Like, that's not what the Bible teaches about the gospel, about the nature of God, about the nature of Jesus, right? All these things. The Bible teaches that there is one God, that God is eternal, that he has always been, and that he's from everlasting to everlasting. And this guy's telling me that God was created and that he once lived on a planet and that I can become a God. And I go, wait a minute, like this is not the same truth that's revealed in the Bible. So it's not about what does Micah Wilder have to say about truth. It's not what does Janelle have to say about truth. It's what does the Bible have to say? Like, what does the word of God have to say? And then we can test all things against the word of God. And that's what's beautiful now is like, I don't have to worry about being deceived because if I approach something or come across something, I can go to the source and I can say, what does the word of God have to say about that? So I'm not relying on my feelings anymore. And listen, I'm not, I'm not doubting that I had feelings or, or spiritual witnesses in Mormonism. And I'm not doubting that you maybe have, or that other Latter-day Saints have genuine spiritual experiences. But the problem is, is that when we rely on our flesh to give us truth, we, we become susceptible to deception. And so, you know, I remember in high school listening to, to uh, Gordon Hinckley, who was the prophet at the time speak, and I would just be in tears, you know, because I just had this witness that he was a prophet of God. And I, I wasn't, testing what he said against the word of God. And so now like, I'm not relying on those spiritual experiences anymore. I'm relying on the word of God. And so in first John, the apostle John warns of that. He says like, you know, test the spirits to see if they are from God for many false prophets have gone out into the world. 
right? So all of a sudden we have a method by which we can test truth. And that is scripture, because there's a lot of things that the devil's doing in our world to try to distort truth, to distort the gospel. And, and that's, what's so subtle about, you know, certain like Mormonism or Jehovah's witnesses, like they're so close to biblical Christianity, but then they just get off a little bit. And that's all that the enemy needs is to get you off a little bit. And, and he sends you down a path that's going to lead you away from life eternal in Christ. And so don't rely on those things. Just go to the scripture. And if, you know, you tell your missionary friends or people in your ward, oh, I talked to this guy and this is, you know, it's like, remember, it's not about me. It's not about what I'm telling you. It, it's about, you know, encouraging you to go to the source, to go to the Bible, you know, and don't let anybody else discourage you from doing that. Like, you know, just go to the word of God. I'm not telling you to read anti-Mormon material. I'm just telling you to, to investigate the word of God, what he has to say, and, and then to, to yeah. trust it and, and change your life accordingly. Which, ironically, the Bible isn't considered anti-Mormon material. <laughs> <laughs> In some ways it could be, but you're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, actually, when I, so when I had had this, you know, complete awakening as a Mormon missionary that was a result of reading the Bible, my mission president actually would sit missionaries down one on one, and several of them were discouraged from reading the Bible. Some of them were expressly forbidden from reading the Bible because of what had happened to me. And he told them, you just need to read the Book of Mormon, stay away from the Bible. That's, I think that that's kind of evidence in itself, right? If they're afraid about yeah. what the Bible has to say. I mean, because I was taught growing up that the Bible was mistranslated, right? That it was corrupted. I mean, it says in the Book of Mormon that the Bible is missing many plain and precious truths. And so mm -hmm. I think that the Bible was painted as being unreliable because it's clear that the gospel and the doctrines laid out in the Bible are, are not in line with the gospel and doctrines of Mormonism. And so I think that that's why they have all of these other things is to kind of keep us focused on, on, you know, the book of Mormon and the doctrine and covenants and ultimately on what man has to say. And, and um, you know, we can't rely on men and it's, it's not the gospel of man. It's the gospel of Christ. So a couple final questions here. I, I'm loving this conversation. Um, and Micah, you kind of touched on it earlier, but one of the things that you said in your book, it's on page 67, um, you said, contrary to what the world seems to preach, true love is not affirming others in their sinful and lost state. It is proclaiming the Christ who can liberate them from captivity. Therefore, my greatest calling as a Christian is to be a conduit of God's love to unbelievers by proclaiming to them the grace and truth found only in Jesus of Nazareth. I loved that. I, I pulled it out because I thought, wow, that's probably what your whole ministry, your whole life is about. Um, I would say after listening to you speak with Mariah here, that's definitely true. But I want to go back to something you said earlier and something that you also talked about in your book, um, especially for the listener who is a believer who's listening to this conversation. Um, and I'm guilty of this too, uh, by the way. Um, you talked in your book about Christians' uh, typical response to missionaries from the Mormon faith, um, about how uh, throughout your um, two years of being a missionary, um, you were, I mean, basically uh, berated, uh, horrible things. You, I think you even had a gun pulled on you, it sounds like, um, just abuse after abuse, and many at the hands of Christians, it sounds like. Um, and as a Christian who, uh, growing up, you know, encountered friends of the Mormon faith, we would have arguments. I mean, um, because there was something in me that would get angry 
that there was a perversion of the truth in a way that I wouldn't feel towards my friends who were secular or who weren't believers in general. But because it was Jesus plus this, uh, plus the Book of Mormon, plus uh, all these other things. And for me, I would get this self-righteous sense of, I've got the truth and let me argue your, you know, Joseph Smith is a liar, like that kind of thing. Um, and I confess that to the Lord. But um, in, in sharing that right now and here, um, I think that there is a, a missed opportunity, obviously, you you know it too, you're nodding your head, um, in it, Christians to show love towards people who think differently than them, but also um, how do we deal with, how do we we talk to somebody who comes to our door saying, "Here's the real truth about Jesus, and you this isn't right um when it feels so wrong? Um, yeah. talk to me about that, please, yeah, a couple things. you know we have to remember our calling in Christ, and I mentioned this before, right? So the epitome of of who we are in Christ is love. Now, love's definition has certainly been distorted in our culture today um and and that passage you read from the book, I, I think hopefully it helps explain and clarify what true love is. But the method and the manner in which we proclaim the gospel does matter. Um, Paul's told the Ephesians to speak the truth in love. Uh, Paul told Timothy to correct our opponents with gentleness, which of course is contrary to human nature. If they're our opponent, naturally we want to <laughs> um, you know, correct them harshly, but but we're supposed to do it gently. Peter said to have a ready defense for the hope that lies within you, but do so with gentleness and respect, okay? So you can be bold in the gospel. You can be uncompromising with truth, but you can deliver it lovingly and respectfully and graciously. And guess what? They're not mutually exclusive as, as we often like to think as Christians. And I think like your experience, Janelle, growing up uh, is very comparable to, I think, what a lot of people experience. And it's almost like this what we feel is like a, a justified righteous indignation, you know, towards a false doctrine or a false church or a false teacher or whatever, you know? And so we, we tend to kind of feel justified in laying down the hammer and arguing with people. And one of the first things that I tell people in, in witnessing the gospel, whether it's to Mormons or anybody else, is that our objective is not to win an argument. It's to point them to Christ. And if we walk away saying I won, but they walk away going, I got beat up there's a problem. Um, because that was something unique about this pastor's approach to me was he wasn't trying to win an argument. He, he was lovingly showing me through the word of God, what the truth really was and how that truth contradicted what I believe. Now that's not to say that I wasn't offended by that because I was terribly offended. I was going to say, <laughs> <laughs> I think you used the word waterboarded. You were being emotionally yes. waterboarded, yes. but I was not offended because he was deliberately offensive. There's a big difference. I was offended by the message. Mm -hmm. um, and because that message contradicted my core beliefs, um, naturally, my response was to be defensive about it. Um, and so when we approach others with the gospel, we have to have a, a, a heart of love and of gentleness and of a desire to want them to come to know the truth. Uh, a great illustration that a brother in Christ of mine laid out when I was early on in ministry he said, you know, so often we see non-believers as enemies on the other side of a battlefield that need to be destroyed. He said, instead of seeing this, them as enemies, see them as hostages. Mm -hmm. And so when you see them as a hostage who is held captive by the enemy, then your approach to them totally changes. 
because you're not there to destroy them. You are there to save them at, at any and all costs. And, and so when I have the opportunity to witness to people or to witness to the missionaries, um, I, I keep that in mind. Like these are people who are exactly where I was, you know, 18 years ago, people who are sincerely zealous for God, who, who, who have a, an admirable desire to want to follow God, but that zeal is simply misplaced. And like Paul said, I think it's in Romans 10, he says that uh, about the Jews, that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And so that was my religious experience was I was zealous for God. And so when I was at that time of my life, I needed Christians to love me and to point me to the truth, not to berate me and tell me that I was going to hell. Um, because that didn't do any good. That's not how God reached me at that time of my life. And so, and then to follow up on your last uh, question, and what do we do when the missionaries come to our door? Um, there's several things that can be done. Of course, it depends on how much time you have, but number one, just treat them kindly. Just be kind, be respectful, be gentle, uh, give them a glass of water, give them food, um, show them respect that they're not going to get for most people. And then the other thing is, take the opportunity to share your faith with them. If you have 30 seconds to be able to share the gospel in 30 seconds, if you sit down and have a long discussion with them, one of the things that we encourage is to allow them to share what they believe, not because, you know, uh, you want them to convert you, but because you want to show them the respect that you've given them the opportunity to share their beliefs without being interrupted. And then you can then respond by sharing your beliefs without being interrupted. That's actually what pastor, uh, the pastor did um, on my mission. And I think it was a very effective approach because we felt obligated to sit there and to you know reciprocate the respect that he had showed us. And the most important thing is to, you know, challenge them with the gospel message and challenge them to go to the word of God. I mean, if you have 10 seconds, just say, Hey, you know, I appreciate your guys zeal for God. Um, I'm a Christian. I'm a follower of Jesus. I encourage you to go read the, read the new Testament, like a child. Like if that's all you can say, awesome. Because I, I believe that there is power in the word of God. It's living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. And that if we can get them into the scriptures and allow God through the Holy spirit to transform their lives, then, then he can do miraculously what he did in my life. And that's something that I've had to remember is like, I'm not the one that's going to change their lives. Like, that's not my job. My job is to plant a seed and to water other people's seeds that have been planted. But God is going to be the one that gives the growth. And so as we have those opportunities to just lovingly plant those seeds of truth, encourage them to read the word of God and treat them with love and respect. So good. Two final questions for you. And um, Mariah, if you want to jump in here with any final thoughts, go ahead after I ask this question. But um, we'll put links in the show notes on uh, findingsomethingreal.com. But if people are interested in hearing more about your ministry, more about your speaking, more about your hotel, more about your music, all of the things, your book, uh, where would be the best place to find you after this? Yeah, so you can find us on our website, adamsroadministry.com, or just Google Adams Road. We're on all the social medias. Um, as you mentioned, our music. So we do music, which is based completely on scripture, and then it's all for free. So we distribute our music for free. You can get on our website and download um, all 10 of our studio albums for free. We also have uh, spoken word projects. We have the Gospel of John, the, Gospel, uh, the Book of Hebrews. Um, the book of Romans that are all in spoken word with underlaid music and all kinds of stuff on our website, a lot of videos and, and articles and things that can help encourage you and equip you in your faith. Awesome. 
All right. Final question. Uh, the Finding Something Real podcast, Micah, is about a journey towards finding something real in Christ. Real is an acronym. It stands for restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Those are all things that we can find in relationship with him. Uh, which stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? Restoration, eternity, authenticity, or love? Well, that's a good one. Um, I would have to say love. Um, I, I think that if there's kind of one summation of what I learned in the nature of God in Christ, it was love. Um, a love that, that rescued me when I didn't deserve to be rescued. A love that forgave me when I didn't deserve to be forgiven. And, and a love that continues to sustain me um, in my weakness. And so I, I know that you know, God is not only love, but we are saved because of God's love. And, uh, and, and that's been the core of my life since I've known Christ, and it's been the core of my ministry. So I, I would definitely say love. I love that. Micah, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your testimony, sharing your faith, and sharing the gospel with us. It's been just an absolute pleasure to have you here, and I can't wait to finish your book. Um, it's really that good. So um, thank you. Thank you for giving your life to Christ and being so passionate about sharing him with the world. It's, it's definitely inspiring. Um, until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting young women to join me as they share their personal stories and ask honest questions or share objections to the Christian faith. We hope to feature a different story each month and then invite Christian guests on to share from their own journeys and experiences and maybe answer some of those questions in follow-up episodes. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all at whether there's something real to be found in Jesus, I invite you to come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with Him. Until next time.